We'll try that one more time. How's everybody doing this evening? Amen. Amen. Good. We've got all the bus travelers ready and gear packed. Does anybody not have everything that they need? Because you've got a few minutes. You could run back to the house and get it before it's time to go. Well, we just want to take a few minutes and worship the Lord together. Wouldn't that be awesome? Amen. We'll have a few songs and invite Brother Joe out to come and minister what the Lord has laid on his heart. And then we'll send you off to Ohio. Amen. Let you carry on the revival just a little bit longer. Amen. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, I have to bring my name. If heaven's not my home, then Lord, what will I do? The angels 
to see him look upon his face there to sing
dedicate this service to him dedicate our hearts our minds we just want to focus now just for a few minutes upon him he's the king imagine seeing him robed in his glory sweep through the building certainly there'd be shouts and glory and hallelujah but how your heart is right now is actually how you're receiving so we just want to honor him Heavenly Father, as we come before you this evening with humble hearts, realizing that, Lord, it's more than just a story, more than just a phrase, but you are the King of glory. Lord, in your presence, every knee must bow, every tongue must confess that you are Lord. You're the Lord of our hearts. You're the Lord of our minds, our bodies, Lord. Everything that we have, we surrender to Thee. We want to take all that we have this evening and focus it upon You, upon Your Word. For it's eternal and it shall never pass away. Lord, the Word that You have sent will not return void. Lord, we want to find our place in the Scriptures this evening, even as our brother Joe will soon step behind this desk and minister. Lord, we want our hearts to be prepared. Lord, we don't want any thoughts that would be contradictory to your word to stand up against your word in our minds. But Lord, we want to cast down all reasoning and say yea and amen to your word. Lord, we remember those that are sick and needy in body. Many cancer patients. There's been many victories, Lord, but there's still those that are suffering. Think of our brother Ron and sister Erica Parker, Lord. How Brother Donnie continues to hold her up and stand strong in his position at his post of duty, even though Satan is literally warring right on the borders of his land. Father, I just pray that you give him strength as you give her strength. And we remember many others this evening, Lord, that have penned in requests and are desiring a, certainly a touch in their body as they fight the sicknesses of the day. But Lord, your word is come and Lord, you've said that you would be with us, even in us, to the end of the age. Lord, we find ourselves right at the end of that age, and we're depending upon you, Father. We need you, Lord, more than we ever needed you before. We have a group of young people that will be boarding a bus in a few hours to attend a camp meeting up in Ohio. And Lord, we've prayed for these meetings, and we've prayed for each one of the young people. And Lord, desiring that the ministers, Lord, that have laid themselves before you and they would come with a word in due season lord more than excitement but an encounter with you that would last a lifetime change lives lord you're in the heart turning business we believe that you have turned our hearts back to the original faith pray that you do it for one more this evening so we give you this service the opportunity to serve you and worship you in spirit and in truth we count it a great privilege and a great honor Lord, for the offering that will be taken up and the tithes that will be taken, we pray, Lord, that it would go to the furtherance of your kingdom and its intended purpose in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you turn around and shake hands with somebody that's near you if the brothers would take up the offering this evening. 
we'd certainly appreciate that. Amen. I don't think we have any announcements coming into the, uh, the camp meeting up in Ohio. Everything is still on schedule and still on track. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Why don't we sing that? Brother Sam and his daughters have a special for us this evening, so if they just get ready as we sing this, and the brothers take the offering. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. I want to see you. Open. Open the eyes of my heart.
same God who spoke to the woman at the well. The same God whose wonders to many to tell. The same God who parted the raging red to the faith, Lord. That faith that was delivered on the day of Pentecost is once again manifested in sons and daughters of God. And Father, our hearts have been turned to this word. And Lord, we ask that you'll just continue to do what only you can do, Father. Let our words be sensitive tonight, Lord. And may our hearts be willing to receive, Lord, from your great hand. Lord, we pray you'll bless these young people as they travel tonight. And Lord, the week that lays ahead at this camp, God, we pray that they will come back charge, Lord. They'll come back, Lord, lifted up, Father, in the faith. They'll come back, Lord, on fire for the things of God. If there be anything holding them back, hindering them, Father, Lord, they'll just come and they will surrender themselves to the, to the mind of God and allow themselves to be changed. So, Lord, we just commit this service now into your hands. We pray you'll bless the, the giving of the word and the receiving, Father, for we ask it in Jesus' name tonight. Amen. God bless you. If you have your Bibles, you can be turning to Matthew 6, verse 14. 
I was looking at, actually studying, studying actually a different thought uh, the other day, and as we was coming out here to Austin's graduation party, as I was driving down the road, the Lord just put this thought in my heart, and I said, oh boy, here we go again. But I want to speak to you tonight on finding forgiveness in the midst of pain. Finding forgiveness in the midst of pain. And we find here in Matthew 6, in verse 14, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. So notice, there is a contingency here. If you forgive men their trespasses, your Father, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, Neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. God bless you. You can have your seats tonight. This word trespass, I just find it pretty, pretty shocking or amazing because it means an offense. Shocking, right? That's what it means. But it also means a misdeed. It means a, a side slip. It means a de- deviation or a lapse. And it can be unintentional, an unintentional error, or it can be a willful transgression. So whether it's unintentional or whether it's willful, we are to forgive one another's transgressions. And if we forgive, then our Heavenly Father will forgive us. And the message is turning north where Brother Bram says, don't fight one another. But as long as the devil's got you fighting one another, he don't have to fight at all. He will just sit back as a picnic watching you fight one another. And laugh at you professing to have the Holy Ghost and fighting one another. But he says, love one another. Jesus said, well, well, all men know that you're my disciples when you have love one for another. He said, that's the greatest evidence of the Holy Ghost that I know is when you love one another. And then then the message, go wake Jesus. He He says, and as long as Satan has got us fighting one another... Why, he don't have to fight at all. But as long as we forget that fight, notice, as long as we forget that fight and join arms and hearts and say we're brothers, we're onward Christian soldiers, then that great revival, no ecumenical council will ever touch that. No, sir, that's the choice of God, the elect that's been called. And we, each of us here tonight, and if I ask for a show of hands, many of us here, we have been hurt at some point by somebody or something. Let's just be honest. Maybe it was your best friend. They forgot to call you on your birthday. You know what? That's your best friend. You expected them to call you. And you was hurt. You got offended. And maybe it was mom or dad that criticized a career choice. Or maybe you left a certain job and the wife scolded you because, you know, this one did this. This one's better than that. Or maybe you was bullied as a child. Or, or maybe your spouse and you had a fight. Now, you know how the devil loves to get in between that. And you give the cold shoulder, the silent treatment for a few hours on end, and somebody's sleeping on the couch. Dear God. Or maybe the pastor didn't speak to you, or maybe the preacher preached on your toes and you got offended. Somebody told him. You know, but the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is still a discerner of the very thoughts and the intents of the heart. Or maybe you heard that a friend behind your back said some very negative things about you. Those are things that are crushing. Notice, we're talking about forgiveness, finding forgiveness in the midst of the pain. These things are painful. 
When somebody speaks evil against you and yet they profess to be your brother, profess to be your sister, they profess to love you and, you know, they got your back, right? But yet they're saying slanderous things to you. But Proverbs tells us that a brother offended is harder won than a strong city. Think about that. A brother that's offended is harder won than a strong city. And their contentions, talking about this brother, his contentions are like the bars of a castle. Impregnable. He has got it there. You are not going to break through. He's got his defenses up. And these are acts of pain, somebody who's been pain, who's been wronged, who's been, you know, who, who's felt this. And many times it's gut-wrenching and it strikes the pit of our stomachs. And when we've been mistreated, especially by those that claim to love us and especially by those that you love. See, this pain can leave behind an emotional wound of rejection, fear, betrayal, insecurity, and just like a physical wound that's unattended will get cankered and will get infected, so will this emotional wound, if it's not taken care of, it'll get cankered and it will get infected and then you'll have feelings of resentment. You'll have feelings of bitterness, revenge. Nobody here has ever wanted to get revenge, right? It's human nature. It's this nature. But see, instead of choosing forgiveness, a lot of times we choose to drink the poison of unforgiveness. And we want to hold this over the person that violated us. As if, you know, we got them, you know, we're, we're, we're persecuting them, but we're not persecuting them at all. We're only hurting ourselves. See, unforgiveness is poison to the soul. It's a sin that locks the unforgiven person in their own self-made prison. Last time I spoke, we spoke about walking out. I'm talking to you how tonight how to stay, to stay out, to stay from that prison, to not allow yourself to go back into that prison. And it takes a constant state of forget for our forgiveness. You have to be willing. You know, forgiveness is not easy. It's not easy. It's, it's easier for somebody to punch you than to say a slanderous word about you. Because you can get through that pretty quick. And I find that this word forgiveness, here's the definition. It says to cease to feel resentment. Now, how many of you have ever been wrong? Don't raise your hand. Man, how many, listen, how many of you are still holding on to it? Unbeknownst to you, it's still there. Maybe this brother and his name comes up and a flood of emotions grips you. You begin to sweat. Or maybe you just remember every detail of the hurt, every aspect of the pain. Whether it be somebody said something when you was a child and yet you buried that thing so deep. But yet, because it's there, because it's not been forgiven yet, it just keeps reoccurring. And through processes of life, especially at low times in our Christian walk, those things can tend to resurface and rise up. See, Satan is there to try to destroy us and he will use things in our life, especially unforgiving things that we haven't got over yet to bring us down, thinking that you're hurting your brother or hurting your sister or maybe a family member. But see, synonyms of forgiveness is absolution. You have to completely absolve the debt. It means to pardon, to excuse the offense without exacting any penalty. My, that is hard. Because you know what? If you're like me, you got to fight nature, right? Something about you. You're a fighter. You, you, you don't like to be punched around. 
When somebody says something, you want to say something back. But you learn as you submit yourself to the word and you surrender your heart to God, God can take that hurt and he can use that weakness to become a strength and show others that no matter in the face of adversity, you're still standing and you're willing to forgive. Now, many of you, as I spoke last time, you see me, you know how I am. I don't hide my emotions. I wish I could. They're there. But I tell my wife, I'm working through something. Because each of us, when we're going through and we've been hurt and we've been offended, we have to work through those things. And it doesn't mean that that brother or that sister, that they're backslidden. It doesn't mean that they're going to leave the church. It doesn't mean that they're going to quit. It doesn't mean those things. It means they got to process through prayer and forgiveness to get through and get beyond the hurt. And sometimes it takes a moment. It's not something you just willfully do over in an instant and miraculously it's all over. It's not. I wish it was. And I'm sure you wished it was as well. Because some of you are still holding on to some unforgiving things, some hurts, some wounds, some scars that you hadn't got over yet. So forgiveness is something that we just, as believers, we have to do if we expect to be forgiven. You have, and it's an action. It's not an emotion. Forgiving someone is not an emotion. It's not something you recite in your mind. It's a willful act. I'm going to let them off of this penalty that they've done to me. I'm going to not exact any, any hurt or any Ill, Ill willing or anything to them. I'm going to release them of this debt. Now, if you had the life that I had, grow up the way I grew up, there's a lot of resentment that you got to overcome. And I realized as I was studying this, Joe, you got some things to do. You had to forgive those that hurt you as you were growing up. It wasn't intentional, but it was there. But if I'm going to move on, if we're going to move on, we have to willingly say, I resolve that debt. I absolve it. I pardon it. I'm letting you off tonight. I'm not going to hold it. And when Satan tries to bring it back up, no, that thing is dead. I've let it go. It has no more control over me. I'm not going to lock myself into the prison of that doubt or that prison of that scar or the prison of that wound anymore. I'm going to let that thing go. I'm not going to let the flood of emotions and the flood of memory rise up and take me down and hold me a prisoner because you can't hold on to that grudge. You can't hold on to that bitterness. You can't hold on to that unforgiveness and expect to make a rapture. You got to let go of it. And I'm here to tell you, it takes a fight to let go. You It's a willful action. I release tonight the debt, the violator. And let it go. Notice, it's our Christian duty. If we expect to be forgiven, not just by your brother or sister, but by Almighty God, then ye have to forgive those who violated you. That's the scripture. There's no other avenue around it. It's not up for debate. It's not up for discussion. That's the word. And if you're here tonight professing to be Holy Ghost filled, professing to believe God's in a prophet, professing to believe this message, then you must be willing tonight to say, I lay it down. I'm not going to carry that thing anymore. You know what, 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 what uh, unforgiveness is and wounds are? It's like a weight that you carry around. 
And the longer you hold it, the heavier it gets. And some of you have been packing that thing around since a kid. You've been packing it around, packing it around, thinking it's going to get lighter, thinking it's going to get better, and it's weighing you down. It's weighing your family down. It's weighing your children down. But God is telling you tonight, lay it down. You don't have to carry that thing anymore. Just forgive. Let it go. Absolve the debt. Pardon the violator tonight. See, it's an act that you have to be willing and able to do. Not an emotion. Not a feeling. But see, it can be very difficult, especially when you've been hurt. Because when you've been hurt, you back yourself in a corner. You ever seen an animal that's been hurt? He backs us. If you back a wild animal that's been hurt in a corner, he's going to come out fighting. But that's the part that's got to be laid down. So you got to put that seed. Forgiveness is a powerful tool if it's held in the right hand of righteousness. Because you can let that brother off that hook. You can let that sister off that hook. And no longer let that hurt and let that pain torment your walk with God. Think about that. No longer letting that thing, that memory. Some of us, if you're like me, that thing, you think about it when you lay down at night. And as soon as you wake up in the morning, it's there to remind Satan is in your ear. Hold on to it. Don't let it go. Don't let them off. You're just to be feeling like this. They did you wrong. They deserve punishment. But see, that's the devil's language. God's language is love one another. And see, when you love one another, then love will breed forgiveness. And forgiveness will, will, will breed a freedom to worship, a freedom to you can ex- put your arm around that brother. Put your arm around and say, you know what? I forgive you. And a lot of times, let me just say it like this. You may not be able to go face to face and do it. But if you don't do it here, you won't make it there. You got to be able to do it right here. I'm not talking about mind over matter. I'm talking about do it in your heart. So this word pain here is a mental or emotional distress or sufferings. And we're speaking on forgiveness, finding forgiveness. So what do you mean, Brother Joe, by finding forgiveness? I mean, you got to search deep tonight within your own self-will and say, God, help me tonight to find that place where I can come and I can forgive no matter what the hurt is, no matter what the pain is, no matter what the suffering has been, God help me tonight to find forgiveness and that will release me from the pain that I've been in. Oh, you may make it through life, but you're still holding the weight. And all of a sudden that weight becomes the norm. No, that's not the norm. You just adjusted to that way. But the norm is walking in victory. The norm is living a godly life. The norm is loving your brother, putting your arms around him, and letting no contentions come in the house of God. That's the norm. That's the church that God built. So we want to look at a few things tonight by God's grace. I want to look at unforgiveness. I want to look at bitterness. And I want to look at forgiveness. So what is unforgiveness, Brother Joe? Unforgiveness is a state of emotional And mental distress that results from a delayed response in forgiving someone. Well, I'll just, I'll get around to it. Now, this ain't something you get around to. So the longer that you don't do it, the longer that, or or the more that it breeds. And it sets in. This ain't something that, oh, I'll just, okay, if they come to me and say, I'm sorry. Look, forgiveness is not waiting on somebody to come to you and say, I'm sorry for what I've done. It's an act that you must do knowing that you've been wronged by that person, whether they know it or not. And nine times out of ten, the person that wronged you don't even know that they wronged you. Right. 
You be around me long enough, I'll probably say something hurt your feelings. But I didn't do it intentionally. Because we don't do it intentionally. Whether it's intentional or unintentional or willful, the Bible says you got to forgive the transgressions, the trespasses. So we find here, unforgiveness is characterized by indignation, bitterness, a demand for punishment, restitution. See, it creates a domino effect. It causes our emotions and our thoughts and our body behaviors and our spirit and our relationships to be upside down. See, with unforgiveness, time does not heal this wound. It only grows and worsens. Because now every other little minute infraction only makes that scar worse. It only adds to the intensity of the wound. And though it's unintentional, you start looking at things through the wrong set of eyes. See, in the absence, notice what they say here. Now, I've done a lot of research trying to get to this. See, they said unforgiveness is like carrying around a huge weight. The longer we carry the grudge, that hurt, that behavior only becomes worse. The burden only becomes heavy. See, the roots of unforgiveness only go deeper, further entangling us. And we're waiting on somebody to come and apologize. But that's not the responsibility. Our responsibility is not to wait on them to come say, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. Our responsibility is says, I forgive you. That's your Christian responsibility. Whether they know you're hurt or not. You have to find within yourself forgiveness in the midst of the pain. Well, this one didn't speak to me. This one didn't do this. And this one said this. You know, a lot of times we find that we may say things in jest. But yet the person's not in the mood for your jesting. And they become offended by it. And then they'll be saying, same person. But on a different day, the mood's better. And you can say the same thing. And it doesn't bother them. It's like water off a duck's back. So I'll just ask you tonight, won't you just guard your audience or, or gauge your audience? Watch who you're speaking to and how you speak to them. You know, if they're, if they're in a foul mood, that ain't the time to go picking. You know, if they're fun and joking and cutting up, maybe so. But, you know, the thing about it, every just comment has a lot of truth mixed in with it. And the devil can get on that shoulder and begin to whisper, look at them. This is what they think. Oh, they said that. They were joking, but they really meant it. It's got an ounce of truth to it. It may have an ounce of truth with it. But still, your responsibility is to say, I forgive you. I'm not going to hold this over you. Because I know you were joking. I know genuinely you love me. Or at least you better love me. (laughs) Right? See, we find now this pain becomes the identity of a person who's not been able to forgive. You ever been around somebody like that? Don't show your hand. And don't go pointing fingers tonight. You get around somebody that has not overcome yet. They haven't forgiven a hurt or a wound. And you get around them and just a few minutes, they're telling you every little detail of what happened. So-and-so said this. So-and-so did this. They tell you when it happened, how it happened, where it happened, and all the... And it's like a hunting story. I mean, they got, that, they got that wound on the wall. It's a trophy. They can tell you every bit of it. Where, where I was standing in church, Brother Tim just walked right by me, didn't say nothing, just stuck his little nose up and just, oh, and then you got all offended. Trophy on the wall. Those are things we need to strip off our walls. 
Say, I I, I choose to not remember that. I choose to forgive that. I choose to pull that off my wall and put a trophy of worship, a trophy of praise, a trophy of love, a trophy that gives God glory. Not giving the devil some kind of praise because I'm holding on to a grudge and I can recite every minute, everything that was done, every infraction that was done to me. When you're willing to let go and find forgiveness in the midst of your pain, you will not be sticking up trophies of malice, strife, injustice, things like that. You'll pull those things down and you'll put your arm around your brother and you say, hey, we're going to we're in this together. I'm pulling for you. I'm praying for you. I'm on your side. I know you're in a low point, but I'm here to lift you up and to see you through this thing. Amen. Notice now somebody that's that's being identified by the pain. They perceive every wrong encounter as a personal attack. I know I'm not speaking to nobody here tonight. Or I'm speaking to everybody. Because I'm speaking to myself. Because when you've been hurt, and you've been wounded, then every little thing begins to set you off. Then you try to reason it. Did they mean this? Did they mean that? What did they really mean? Why did they say this? Why did they say that? See, it's not for us to figure those things out. It's for us to forgive. It's it's for us to let go of it. So notice now, unforgiveness comes to affect your judgment, your perspective, because you view the world and you view others and you begin to view yourself through the lens of your hurt. Through the lens of your hurt. You know, you get hurt, nobody cares about me. Nobody's called me. Nobody's checked on me. And we have. Nobody's done it because you're viewing it through the lens of your hurt. But if you forgive and let go and let let that thing have control over you, because that's what it's doing. It's got control over you. And we can't allow the devil to have control even in the slightest infractions. So we find, see, the pain becomes the identity of the person that's not willing to forgive. And all they can talk about is the pain. When it happened, where it happened, how it happened, see? And you get around them, and you're not there just a few seconds, and all of a sudden, they're going through it. And it seems like that's all they can talk about. And anybody that comes, they're going to give the same story. They have not let that thing go yet. It's constant, 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 constant. You know what what I'm talking about because you've been that one. Let's just be honest. We have been, did you know what brother so-and-so said about me? And you just tell everybody. Anybody that'll listen, you tell them. Why? Because that's our human nature. But our Christian responsibility is to let go of that. See, it affects our character, our integrity. See, grudges, grudges don't make you better. They make you worse. Well, I'm going to hold on to it. You hold on to it and you'll be in hell. Your choice. Because they're in the spirit, and, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There's freedom from those things. And the Bible says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ had made you free. He came and pardoned you of your transgressions. He let you off the hook of your transgressions. You know, there's a story about the unjust servant there, and he came and he pleaded and he begged because he owed a, a thousand talents, what it was, and he owed a large sum of money, and, and, and the king there says, you know what? I'm going to take your wife. I'm going to take your children. I'm going to throw you into prison. And he fell down and, oh, God, or oh, king, don't do this to me. Oh, just resolve my debt and just give me time. I'll pay it. And he owed $15 million. 
That's the sum. That's what it equated to. $15 million. And yet, as soon as the king resolved his debt, he went out jumping and skipping. Oh, I'm a free man. I don't have this debt any longer. And he found a servant that owed him a measly $15. That's what your infraction is to one another. That hurt, that word is a measly 15 bucks. But your sin and your indignation and your iniquity to God is 15 million bucks. And God Almighty resolved your debt and your hope $15 over your brother, $15 over your sister. And you're ready to throw them into the sinner's prison and throw them and lock them up and throw away the key and say, you owe me this. And yet they do, but your responsibility is to say, I forgive you of it. I lay it down. I resolve this. You don't owe me nothing no more. Fifteen million to fifteen. And I'm looking at some of you tonight and you're holding fifteen dollars over somebody's head when you've been given, forgiven fifteen million. No way you could pay it. No way your family could pay it. No way your family's 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 families could pay it. And yet you're struggling. Some of us are struggling to come to the house of God over some word, some hurt, some misdeed, some misstep. $15 when you have been forgiven $15 million. You have been forgiven so much. And if you expect to be forgiven then you must find forgiveness in the midst of your pain. And it hurts. And it's real. I'm not saying that the person that wronged you, that you just let them off the hook. You can't forget it. You're never going to probably forget it, but you you can forgive it. Nelson Mandela, many of you may know him. He was thrown into prison many years ago for for uh, some injustices that he didn't do. But anyway, he makes this comment. Hating someone is drinking poison and expecting the other person to die from it. Let me give you another quote that he said. He, no, he was in prison. He says, I walked out of that door toward the gate that would lead to my freedom. And I knew if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I'd still be in prison. If I don't leave that behind me and let it go and let that person off, then you're the one that's in prison. You're in prison to a a wound that maybe you didn't cause or or whatever you, you was wrongfully done. But that doesn't matter. There's a way out tonight. There's a key and it's a key of forgiveness tonight. And it unlocks the door and it will let you off tonight. And you will let that person off. And notice when you ever had done something for somebody, man, it just really makes you feel good. When you really done something and you pay, maybe you paid a large sum to help somebody out. Man, it just feels good to be able to give. Think about when you, for, when you forgive, you're taking the weight off of you and you're taking the weight off of them. Now you no longer owe me. You're no longer in debt to me. I resolve that debt. I absolve it. It's over. Then you can look at your brother, you can look at your sister with the love of God. Not with bitterness, not with hatred, not with malice, not with strife. Not when you get in a room around them and all of a sudden beads of sweat get on your head because you're so wanting to get revenge. Hey, I'm talking to you about the truth. I've been there, you've been there. Nod your head, but your heart is saying, yes, brother Joe. 
because it's the truth. It's what we face. But I'm telling you, God laid this on my heart driving here just the other night. Said, speak to him. I didn't have a clue. I didn't have an outline. I had nothing. But I had a thought. Finding forgiveness in the midst of pain. Nobody likes to be wronged. Especially by your brother, church member, pastor, preacher, friend, deacon, brother, sister, husband, wife. Nobody likes to be hurt. It's pain. It's painful. It's a scar. But if that scar is picked and that scar is just constantly, oh, I just remember this and I remember this, you never put the balm of, of Gilead on that scar to heal that wound. But I'm here to tell you, there's a balm tonight. There's a Holy Ghost tonight and the Holy Ghost breeds love and love breeds forgiveness and forgiveness heals the wound of hurts in your life, hurts and scars down through our life that maybe we didn't know or maybe we suppressed them for so long but yet they're still there unhealed but there's an antibody tonight that you can take tonight. There's a toxin that you can take tonight. It'll heal that broken wound. It'll heal that thing. It'll allow you to move on with God. It would allow you to, for some of us wonder, why can't I get anywhere? Well, are you holding on to something? Are you got something hanging over somebody, some $15? Notice, unforgiveness is like cancer. It spreads. It cannot be contained. It has to be wiped out. You keep a spirit of unforgiveness, your friends will walk away from you because they get sick and tired of hearing about the negativity that's been done to you. You have to learn to let it go. It makes, unforgiveness makes you a very irritable person. You just love to be around somebody like that? No. Y'all took bets on me. Hey. It's the truth. But you know what? I recognize. Because we all have to work through things. You got to work through your hurt. But if you don't work through your hurt, that thing's going to fester. And then one day it's going to pop. And when it pops, it's a nasty mess. It gets on you. It gets on those beside you. It gets on those here. It gets on those there. We're not hooked. There's a bomb in Gilead. We don't need sores to fester when we get out a healing agent here tonight. Forgive it. Let it go. Walk away from it. So, unforgiveness breeds bitterness. And Hebrews 3 verse 12 says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. In Hebrews 12 verse 14, Follow peace with all men. Ooh. Oh, my Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. So this word bitterness is an extreme wickedness. You think I can be just a little bit bitter. You ever drank bitter coffee? It's nasty, right? You spit it out. Same way with bitterness. It's nasty. Spit it out. It's extreme wickedness, and it's in the heart. And it's because you haven't chose to forgive and move on. You've chose to let it fester. And unforgiveness breeds bitterness. And we find here, see, when we've been hurt, it's easy to get bitter. And when you get bitter, it's hard to forgive. 
See, it's a direct correlation. See, it makes you caustic. It makes you sarcastic. It makes you condemning. And it makes you a very nasty person. Nobody wants to be around your bitterness. But we're all guilty. But I'm giving you a solution tonight. Find forgiveness in the midst of your hurt, in the midst of your pain. See, bitterness is harassed by memories. My, 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 Satan's right there on your shoulder, bringing this to your memory, bringing this one up, bringing this one up. Well, did, what did Brother Joe say? I mean, did, did he mean, was he pointing at me? Because I you know I saw him point, but, you know, I could have swore he pointed right at me. It's harassed by memories. Memories because you're not willing to forgive. Because if you forgive it and you let it go, and it rises up and it falls off because you're not holding that person in prison to it. You've let them go. So bitterness is a root that grows deep in the soul of our hearts. That if you let time tarry, it gets deeper and deeper and deeper. But it must be rooted out. Now, I'm a stump grinder. But even in stump grinding, you leave part of that in the ground. But what I'm talking about tonight is you've got to uproot every trace of that thing and not let it fester in your life. Jesus can't come over the top and say, oh, I had a good meeting. I felt the Holy Ghost and I got goosebumps and, you know, it's okay. And we got it below the surface and yet there's still a little bit there. It's got to be completely absolved, pardoned, let go of. Completely take that root out of the ground, the entire root ball in the root system, and take it out and throw it away. And I'm here to tell you, if we can do that in the natural he can do that in the supernatural. But you got to be willing. People come and they say, hey, Mr. Adams, you do stump grinding, right? They call me. They're looking for me. I'm like, I'm your man. I'm I am. I got you. I got a big machine. We can take care of that. But I'm here to tell you, you got to be looking for him. Find him. He's the one that can take those things out of your heart. Completely resolve it completely eradicate it, completely do away with it. But it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you some pride because you've got to be willing to recognize, I need this. I need this for me. I need this for my family. I need this for my marriage. I need this for my kids. My kids deserve to see a father. My kids deserve to see a mother that's in tune with the word and not uh, in the mully grubs and complaining about this one and that one and this one wrong me and that one wrong me and nobody cares and all this. Let all that go. God is calling for sons and God is calling for daughters of God. He's calling for men to be gallant men, gallant women, Christians of the cross. He's calling for men to be like David who God can say, he's a man after my own heart. That's what we're called to be. But the devil's got us fighting one another. And don't go away from here tonight and say, Brother Joe was picking on me. I'm not picking on you. I'm picking on me tonight. I'm telling you, we all are in this together. And we got to be willing to do a self-assessment and say, God, I've been wrong. But through the preaching of the word, through the foolishness of preaching, you chose to anoint Brother Joe and put a thought on his heart. And I've been having this thing lay there and lay there and lay there. But through the preaching and the anointing of the spirit, it comes and it destroys the yoke that's been on my life, that's been on my family, that's been come down through family strength. But yet there's an agent here tonight. There's a healing here tonight. There's somebody that can come and expose that thing and tonight I recognize I need to forgive 
I need to move on if I'm going to be forgiven and receive a body change. Ephesians 4 verse 29, the Bible says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good. Ooh, You mean I can't talk about my brother? Nope. Notice this word corrupt is rotten, putrefied. Let no corrupt communication or putrefied communication or rotten communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good. Well, I don't want to say anything good. Then shut up. Keep your mouth shut. Stay home. Do everybody a favor. But quit getting in people's ear and complaining about what this one done and that one done and that one done. I got a quote for you just in a minute. Don't worry. See, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to use of edifying, building up, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Your unforgiveness does not administer grace. It doesn't elevate anybody. It doesn't make somebody feel warm and fuzzy. They don't get goosebumps. They're not going around shouting and dancing because you're negative and you're complaining about being hurt and unloading your wound on them again and that nasty sword done popped and it's getting all over everybody around you. Look, I'm guilty. I've been guilty. Ask my friends. They'll tell you. There's been times, they, look, I didn't want them at the house. Aaron, David, y'all keep your eyes shut. They're probably nodding. Yeah, we took bets on you, buddy. But it's the truth. We all must be willing to come face to face with it. And we all must be willing to be honest with ourselves. It's time to let it go. It's time to find forgiveness, Brother Tim, in the midst of our pain. It's not easy to say I was wrong. It's because you want to hold on to it. You want to get vengeance. The Bible says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. He didn't say, vengeance is mine, saith Job. But oh my, I'm a man of God, I'm going to get vengeance. No, God doesn't operate that way. God says, this is when you know that you're my disciples. When you strike vengeance to one another, no, when you have love. Love. Let me keep going. And grieve not the Holy Spirit whereby you've been sealed to the day of your redemption. Let all bitterness... You mean I can't keep none of it? None of it. Got to let all bitterness, extreme wickedness. Let all extreme wickedness and wrath and anger and clamor and, excuse me, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Well, man, this ain't no fun. No, this is what it means to be a Christian. This is what it means to be an overcomer. I'm talking to you about being, staying out of that prison. You walked out two weeks ago. Stay out. How do you stay out? Forgive and love. Two powerful weapons in a person, a believer's arsenal, is love and forgiveness. Because when you can look at your brother and still love them and forgive them, that means you're a real son of God. You're displaying Christ. Because he looked at you and said, I forgive you. And I love you. Notice. And the Bible says in Ephesians 4 and verse 32. Now, this is going to get you. I know it's going to get you. Come on. And be ye kind. Oh, no. I mean, I got to be kind? Yes, you do. That means you ain't got to invite them over. Throw them a big party. But you got to be kind. You don't give them a silent treatment at church. 
I mean, walk around, stick your nose up. Like you don't know me. You wrong me. I don't know who you are. No, be kind one to another. Tenderhearted. Forget. Oh, there's that word again. Forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Wow. Maybe not the kind of service you thought tonight when we're sending our young people off, but I promise you, you take this to heart tonight, you're going to go a lot of places. And one place you're going to go, Satan can't get there, and that's the body change. That's the rapture. Because you're not taking your malice, you're not taking your grievance, you're not taking your contentions, you're not taking none of those things. You're not taking them. They're not going. But what you will take is love. And you will take forgiveness. And you will take the spirit of Christ. You'll take that in a body change. But everything else, it's going to be left behind. Because he ain't coming for that. He's coming for those that match his character. And he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He forgave you a $15 million. That's a whole lot of debt. And all he's asking for you is to say, let go of that, five bu- that 15 bucks. I got you. I'll take care of that down the road. See, when you give forgiveness, what you're doing is you're putting their judgment of that wrongdoer in God's hands and not yours. See, it's up to God then to deal with that person. And let me say, God will deal with that person. God will move on their heart. There's been some of you here tonight that I've offended in my time of being here. thing about me, and I thank God for it, is I'm quick to repent. And I'm not too proud that I can't come and say, you know what, I'm sorry. Sorry that I've offended you. Sorry that, you know, that didn't come out quite like I meant it to come out. Anybody ever been there? You say something, you're like, oh, I wish I didn't say it like that. And you're like, oh, well, that's us. That's human nature. But you got to be quick to say, I'm sorry. Don't be so prideful and so boastful and thinking, well, you know, if I say I'm for, if I forgive them, then it's weak. It's not weak. That's strength to recognize that a real son of God can say, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. I didn't mean to do that. I don't want to be the, the, the hindrance of another brother, another sister from moving on with God. I don't want to be a fault of them getting up and walking out. And I'm not talking about walking out mentally, walking out spiritually. I'm talking to them walking out physically and saying, I will not be back through those doors because of the people and the attitudes that even like Tabernacle. But see, when, when we're wounded, everything is heightened. You ever, been, you ever had a surgery? You ever been cut on? When you, when, when you walk out of that hospital room, you're not magically healed. It's a process. It takes time, Brother Tim. You take medicine. You take care of the wound. You make sure there's nothing in there to get it dirty, get it contaminated. You keep gauze over it. You keep it wrapped. That's what you got to do with your wound. You got to keep it wrapped. You don't go around showing everybody. Not I'll throw up. <laughs> don't be showing me your nasty scar. I don't want to see it. I got a weak stomach. Some of us got weak stomachs spiritually. And you can buy your going around showing everybody your scar. You hurt people. And you especially hurt those that are weak. And then they weak and then all of a sudden the weak ones begin to, oh, well, if that's how they're going to be, then I just won't come back. And I'll just stay away and I'll just do this because they can't handle it. Because, you know, honestly, if you got a sore, I don't want to look at it. The doctor is at the hospital. When I worked at the hospital, Dr. Uh, what's the doctor's name? Indian. Dr. Mallory, he'd show me some pictures. I'm like, you can't be showing me that stuff. He's inside the body and he's got pictures and scopes. I'm like, that's nasty, man. 
He said, look at this. I'm like, I'm about to throw up. And that's how it is with some of us. We don't, I'm a weak person when it comes to that. I don't want to see it. I'm not going to the operating room and saying, oh, here I am. Let me, show me the dirty. And nor should we come to the house of God expecting to be shown the dirty. We don't need to be seeing, seeing the hinder parts of our brothers and sisters. Let's look at the good. Look at the positive. Look at their strengths. Look, they're sitting here tonight because God had moved on them. You're not perfect, so don't expect them to be perfect. They forgive, you forgive. Let's move on. Brother Brown says this. He says, get all these little differences away from you. This is your prophet. Little isms, little funny feelings around you for your brethren and things like that. Shake it away. Don't let no root of bitterness ever get into your soul. If you do, it will canker you. Keep love. I don't care how much people hate you. You love them anyway. Wow. That's tough, Brother Joe. That's tough. But notice here in Galatians 5, as we try to hurry up here. Galatians 5 says, For brethren, 5.13, excuse me. For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. But by love, serve one another. By love, serve one another. Didn't say talk about them. Didn't say remind them of the infraction, but love them and serve them. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. Let's go down to verse 17 or verse 16. Let's just go there. Keep reading. And I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the lust, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh. Let's, let's clue in here. The works of the flesh are manifest. Which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred. So the word hatred there is discord and feud. Variance, that word is contention, debate, strife, variance, emulations, fierce indignation, punitive zeal. The word wrath is passion, angry, heat, anger, forthcoming, boiling up and ensuing subsiding, only to boil back up again. The word strife is selfish ambition, disobedience, feud, sedations, divisions, dissensions, heresies, dissensions arising from diversity of opinions. Envying, which is ill will, murders, drunkenness, reveling of the sorts of which I tell you before, as I have told you in the past, that they that which do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Tells me like Paul was dealing with some people in the church that didn't know how to forgive. To people that were letting things fester and they were full of vengeance. They were full of animosity. They were full of hatred and strife and all these things. And Paul is saying, if you had that, you're not going. These things are not allowed in the kingdom of God. See, you can't take those things with you. They're not going, but you can take love. Now, let's look here and turn our attention just for a few minutes to forgiveness. So what is forgiveness, Brother Joe? It means that the pain that once traumatized you, it no longer traumatizes you. Yes, sir. 
the pain that once traumatized you from the wound, from the infraction, from the hurt, it now no longer traumatized. It has no control, no jurisdiction over your well-being. It's done. It's done. Just if your sins have been forgiven and are in the sea of God's forgetfulness, though you can't forget because we're human, we remember everything. But what it does is you, now you've taken the power out of the scar. You've taken the inflammation out of it. And now it's no longer a scab, it's healed. And it's only a scar to remind you that you overcame. That you passed the test. That it didn't get the best of you. See, forgiveness is the key out of that emotional and mental prison. When you choose to forgive, you choose to untie yourself from the shackles that connected you with the person who wronged you. You choose to untie yourself. You're not waiting for them, Brother Tony, to come and untie you and take the key and take the shackles off of you. No, you got the key. And it's a key of forgiveness. And you can unlock the shackles tonight and say, I'm done with it. You essentially say, I'm, I'm walking out a second time. So we look here and we find the decision, though, has to be on your part. It's a willful action. Nelson Mandela tells us this, and I, and I hope you don't mind some quotes. I just like bringing some of these current event kind of quotes. He said, reconciliation does not mean forgetting or trying to bury the pain of the conflict, but that reconciliation means working together to correct the legacy of the past injustice. See, if we're not willing to work together and we run off and we run and we say, I'm just going to pick my toys up and I'm going home. We're not working through anything. There's no reconciliation there. But when we can have a heart of forgiveness, forgiveness will breed reconciliation. And in tune, reconciliation brings restoration. And to restore a brother, to restore a sister, that should be our ambition. That should be our goal. That should be our desire. Right? Right? See, the Bible tells us in Ephesians 4.32, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. So it involves an intentional decision to let go of the resentment. Oh, my. Intentional. You mean I got to let go? Yes. You got to let go. See, it can help free you from the person that's harmed you. Corey Ten Boone, how many of you are familiar with Corey Ten Boone? Corey Ten Boone, she has a quote here on forgiveness, and I, I, I love it. It says, forgiveness is the key that unlocks the door to, of resentment and the handcuffs of hatred. It is a power that breaks the chains of bitterness and the shackles of selfishness. So otherwise, unforgiveness is selfishness. I'm going to hold this because it makes you feel like you've got something over somebody else. And she also says, forgiveness is the greatest gift that you can give yourself. The greatest gift that you can give yourself is to give yourself forgiveness, forgiving that person that's wronged you. Now, she was in a, <clears throat> a concentration camp. She was in Ravensbrück concentration camp. And he, after the World War II was over and uh, the camp was liberated and she became a speaker and went around the world and traveled. Well, she was in a church in Munich and she was there preaching on forgiveness. Sins being forgiven in the sea of God's forgiveness, no longer to be remembered anymore. And yet when she's there and she dismisses and the service is over, stands up a man, balding man, and she says, all of a sudden, all the emotion of the past, it was the guard of the Ravensbrook camp. 
Now, she says it like this. It came back with a rush. Huge room with harsh overhead lights, pathetic pallid dresses and shoes in the center of the floor. The shame of walking naked past this man. I could see my sister's frail form ahead of me, ribs sharp beneath the parchment skin. Betsy, oh, how thin you are. Betsy and I, she said they were, they were held because they, they were protecting Jews. And he come up to her and he said, what a fine message, Frolin. How good it is to know that our sins are at the bottom of the sea. So she went on and on and on about forgiveness, but she has yet to forgive this man and the Nazi regime for what they did to the Jewish people and to what they did to her and her family. She lost her dad, her brother, and her sister in the concentration camp. She had a right to hold on to it, humanly speaking, but she had to find forgiveness in the midst of her pain. And she said, this man came up to her and he said, since the war is over, I became a Christian. And I wanted to come to you and say, I'm going to come and ask you to forgive me for my injustice, for my wrong. And she said she fumbled around in her purse because she didn't want to forgive, just like us. It's hard. You fumble around with it. But you know, if you're going to be forgiven, then you must forgive. Let me just tell it in her words. She says, <clears throat> she says, I stood there with a coldness clutching my heart, but forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too, she says, forgiveness is an act of will and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. How beautifully wrote is that? She said, Jesus help me, I pray silently. And I can lift my hand. And I can do that much. But you supply the feelings. She said, and woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into, into his stretched out one. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. A current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into the joint's hands. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother. I cried with all my she said, for a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, a former guard and a former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. You know, we've seen churches in the south that have a bell in the, the tower, right? And there's a rope. You take that rope and you just pull that rope and that bell goes ding, dong, ding, dong. And that's exactly what it is to hold to a grudge. As long as you're holding to it, you're just yanking the chain and it's dinging. It's reminding you of everything that they've done to you. But if you let go of that rope tonight, eventually that bell's going to stop swinging. That bell's going to stop dinging. That bell's going to stop donging. And that bell's going to become quiet. And that bell's going to become motionless. So I'm asking you tonight, you have to find forgiveness. You have to let go of the rope. You have to let the bell stop ringing in your life. It's time to take your hands off the rope. And say, God, I want to find tonight within my heart of hearts forgiveness in the midst of my pain. She went through a lot of pain. Lost all those that were dear to her over some wicked regime. She went through a lot of hardships in solitary confinement. She was beat. She was done a very a, a strong injustice. And she could have let that dictate her life. But she, was, she chose to forgive. 
And when she chose to forgive, she felt the love of God like she never felt before. And I'm telling us tonight that if we choose to forgive, you will, you will feel the love of God like you've never felt before. Because not only do you do yourself a favor, you're releasing somebody from a debt that they can't pay. Let me end with this. Musicians, if you would, you make your way back. Brother Bram tells us in the message, <clears throat> the Pergamum Church age, he says, now, try to do something good and just keep, he says, just keep being good. Hold no malice, no grudges. Don't let any bitterness, no matter how bad the person is and how bad they talk about you, don't you never think evil in your heart against them. Oh, man. You sure take the fun out of holding a grudge. But look, think about it. Never let it in your heart against him. Call, because right there, that devil will set right in there, work upon something right there. Just keep it all covered up with godly love, confession, and making right, and do good to those that do evil to you. He says, we're not the judge. God is the judge, and you don't, wanna, you don't want that poor fellow to be cast away, would you? Certainly not. No matter who they are, you wouldn't want that. So try to be kind to them. So to say that we forgive is not saying that the consequences of their behavior is not just or that, that you forgive them or you forget it, that, they were, that they're not wrong for not doing it. But what you're saying is I'm forgiving you and I'm turning now it over to God. Now the judgment is not my judgment. It's God's judgment. And your wrong in me is between you and God, not me and you anymore. And you can choose to let that person off of that. Brother Bram says, in door to the door. If you just play something soft, Sister Lord, as we bring this to a close. He says, you know what a blessing is? How many knows what a blessing is? He goes, do something good for somebody. Well, man, we're going to walk out of here and everybody's going to be blessed. That's right. If you have a neighbor or somebody that's done you an injustice, remember this for me. Don't you never turn him down. Take him to God in prayer and see what a different attitude you'll have. If you're sincere in your prayer and you stand shoulder to shoulder with him and, and though he's done you wrong and injustice, but just, he said, just take that man to God and stand there in the presence of the Father one time and say, Father, my neighbor, let me put it like this, my brother, my sister here has done me wrong. He says, watch when you go to telling his wrong." It's not only help him, but it'll help you also. You'll see what he's been through and the temptations and things. It'll change your attitude toward that brother. It'll help him also. And you're always doing good when you're praying one for another. But see, Satan wants you to embrace the hurt. To not let go of it. Wants you to embrace the whole. Colossians 3 said, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies. Kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, also do you forgive. So let no root of bitterness come up. You have a choice tonight. There's a lot of things people can take from you. But tonight, they cannot take your, your choice to trust God in the midst of your pain. And they cannot 
Take your choice to let go of the infraction. That's on you tonight. That's on us tonight. And Brother Bram says, now he keep us separated, shooting one another. He's got us. Let me end with this. He goes, if I found grace in your sight through God, and you take my word for this, brother, how many believe he'll be a prophet? Come on. There's got to be more hands than that. You believe him to be a prophet tonight? He says, if I found grace in your sight, this is the Great Commission, you take my word for this, brother. If you want to be a blessing and get a blessing when a man has done you wrong and he's absolutely justly, I mean, he has done you wrong and you know that he's done you wrong. He's done you evil. He said, don't mention that. Woo. Don't mention it. Don't mention it. So what do you mean, brother? That means he's saying, don't go tell everybody about the hurt. Don't go telling everybody about the wound. Don't mention it. But it said, take that brother in prayer. Lift that brother up in prayer. He says, you take him to prayer before God. And don't take it in the way of just a selfish and say, well, I'm supposed to do this. But you stand there shoulder to shoulder and stand in the presence of God, our Father. And we pray and a prayer should be made in the presence of God. Father, here's my brother. He is justly, he deserves punishment because he's done me evil. And I don't see why he's done this. But he says, then you let God go to talking to you. You let God go to talking to you and you'll see maybe what that man's been through. The devil has twisted him up somewhere, caused him to do that, though he's absolutely wrong. Before you leave the throne of God, you'll be feeling sorry for that man. You'll be sympathizing with that brother. And when you get big, get back down to earth again, you'll go over there and, and, you'll, and you'll shake that brother's hand because you know what he's been through. You can't stand with the mortal in the presence of God and condemn anybody. I don't believe it, no, sir, even if he's a ranked sinner. For none of you tonight are ranked sinners. And if you've been wronged and that person justly has hurt you, say tonight you take him to God in prayer. You got a choice to make, you got a choice. Maybe you're stuck in unforgiveness. But you don't have to stay there tonight. Maybe you're holding on to something, hoping, wishing, praying. that someday they're going to come. They'll make this right. But that's not your responsibility. Your responsibility says, I'm letting go. I'm letting go. I want you to just bow your heads for a minute as we close. As we bring this service to a close tonight, I want each of you tonight to search your heart. Go back to where you've been wrong. Maybe it was, maybe it was Brother Joe that hurt you, but I can promise you I didn't do it intentionally. I didn't do it because I don't love you. I did it because I'm human and I'm not perfect. It's not because Brother Tim doesn't love you or Brother Timothy or Brother Aaron or heaven forbid your mom and dad. Or your best friend. It's because we're human. We're not perfect. We're going to foul things up. But I want you to find that person that you haven't relinquished from that debt tonight. And I want you to say, God, they hurt me. They were my best friend. They were the preacher. They were this one, that one, whatever. But tonight, Lord, 
I want to find forgiveness in the midst of my pain. God, help me tonight to let go of this. I know it's an action that I got to be willing freely to let go of, but I need you. Like Corey Tin Boone needed you to help her extend a hand to that guard who beat her, who watched her sister die. God, help me tonight. God, my hand is up tonight. Help me to have a heart that will forgive when maybe comments are made, snide comments. Lord, help me to have the attitude. I don't want to hold this over my brother, hold this over my sister. If that's you tonight, just lift your hand up to God and say, God, sincerely, I'm letting go of this thing. I'm letting go of this hurt. There's a bomb in Gilead that's here tonight to heal that wound. God sees your hands. God sees your hands tonight. But more importantly, God knows your heart. If you really mean that tonight, whether you lifted your hand up or not, it's on you. When you go from this service tonight, you will be held responsible for what you do with Jesus called Christ. Because he came tonight in a personal way to tell you it's time to forgive. It's time to let go. It's time to quit talking about it. It's time to quit rehashing the incident and the scar. And let's move on. We're a family of God. Father, tonight you see the needs. And you see this thought that you laid on my heart, Lord. And Lord, I even searched my heart as I began to study this and recognize, Lord, there was things that I was holding on to. Maybe comments that were said down through the years, Lord. The way I was treated, this one and that one. Lord, I know those things were, regardless if they were unintentional or if they were a willful act. You said we must forgive our trespasses or those that trespass against us if we expect to be forgiven. So Lord, tonight, I ask that you would help even the light tabernacle. Men and women, boys and girls, young and old tonight, Lord, even those that are on the stream. Lord, help us to find forgiveness in the midst of this pain, Lord. Let the pain go and the hurt subside, Lord, and may we just move on and be able to look at our brother in the eye with love. Put our arms around him and say, I know where you've been. I know you didn't mean to do that. So, Father, I ask tonight that there be a healing agent here. Lord, that you'd comfort those hearts tonight. Lord, I know this may be a sobering type of message, but Father, I pray that it was very direct and very intentional, that it was exactly what was needed for the body. I ask that you move, Lord, tonight in a special way. And Father, as our young people leave tonight and go off on the trip, Lord, no doubt there may be some infractions that take place on the bus, maybe on the way home, or maybe there's been things take place at other camps and things that were said, this young person against that one, Lord, Satan trying to get in and cause division. God, may we even as a young person tonight forgive so that we can be forgiven. Lord, we love you tonight. And we just ask God that you would help us to be more like you. Bring us into your image, Lord. Give us your heart, a heart of love. Therefore, may all men know that we're your disciples. We ask it in Jesus' name tonight. God bless you. Jesus, that I could never pay. He paid a debt in Calvary.
glad for forgiveness amen we want forgiveness for ourselves and to do that we must forgive man was a great message tonight and you know many times there's a lot of wrongs along life's journey and friends will wrong us parents will wrong us children will wrong the parents and wives and husbands will wrong each other and you know um, you can't just keep a whole list of debts you have to let it go. And, you know, you, otherwise you just keep going around and around the same old merry-go-round. And, you know, it's never settled. And every time, uh, you know, these things just keep resurfacing and keep tormenting and troubling. And, and, and as I was thinking there, as Brother Joe was ministering, you know, there was really no forgiveness in the, uh, in the Old um, Testament. It was eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. You know, uh, pay back, revenge, for, you know, get back at one another, you know, 
whatever judgment you got, you meet it back the same. And, and, uh, but in the New Testament, Jesus brought us under a whole new covenant. And under that new covenant, there is one of love and forgiveness and mercy. I'm glad for mercy, aren't you? Amen. And I, I thank God for that. And we have to exercise that. As I preach Sunday, you, you fight. You have to fight. These are part of the things. And tonight, if you were brought to a Kadesh Barnea, in your, uh, uh, where you look at this and say, well, I can't take that mountain. You know, this is too big. It's, I won't let that go. Well, you know, you'll, you'll go back and wander around in the wilderness of, of hurts and disappointments and tragedies all the rest of your life. Just lay it down. Take it down. If it's too big for you to carry, and it is, take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Amen. Now, we got um, the buses here. And uh, I know you young people have been looking forward to that. And we want you, if you will, all of those of you that are going, I'd like you to step forward and come up this way and, and uh, around here, around the altar. And if you're coming, going to be going to the meeting um, or on the bus tonight, you'll just come on this way. And we just want to just say how we so appreciate you. Our young people are the best. There are in the whole wide world. <laughs> Amen. Amen. My goodness. I'll tell you what, I'm going to miss you, especially Sunday. And when I look out here and, and you know, the rest of, rest of you home folks, you're going to have to come out and support me. Amen. And um, we make up for the amens and the hallelujahs that these young people always give and Amen. I want to say I love you, and I really appreciate you. You're, you're a wonderful group, and um, I'm so proud of you. We've had a lot of young people groups down through the years, and um, I, I tell you, I'm, this is one I'm probably most proud of. You've made me very, very proud, and I want to tell you how uh, thankful I am to God for you. And... Um, you know, we're going to be going on a long journey now and, and all the way through the night and getting uh, there. And, uh, and then, of course, you'll, you, you'll get a little bit cranky. I would. If I was going, I'd probably get a whole, whole lot cranky, um, miserable, maybe along that way. And, and, uh, but just, just remember to uh, um, do what, what you always do, and that's respect one another and love one another and show kindness to one another, uh, just like you always do. And you make me proud every time. And so I know you will make me proud this time. And so you're a wonderful young people. And so may the Lord bless you as you go and you're this time. And if you got a desire upon your heart, don't wait till the end of the meeting. Just go ahead and ask God to, to, to deal with it the very first night. Amen. And just, then just have a victory celebration the rest of the time. Amen. It's a, it's, a, it's a good opportunity to lay your burdens down and get an experience with God. And I promise you, you come back here shouting, rejoicing. I won't be fussing at you and say, well, you know, you, you were down there at that camp meeting and you did. You shouted all over the place, but why ain't you doing it here? No, we're going to rejoice with you. We're going to just say, spread the fire and share the, share the joy. Amen. So we're, we're really happy for 
this opportunity, and it's, it's wonderful. It's all paid for, and God provided for you, and we're thankful for that. Amen, for you to be able to go and, and participate. So let's go to the Lord in prayer now as we just ask God to give you protection. Father, Lord, we love our, our people. Lord, these, um, these ones, Lord, that you have given, that young in heart, Lord, but they're very mature men and women, and we thank you for them. And I ask, Lord, that you'll just go with them as they, oh God, uh, show forth the, the life of Christ, and they will go to there, and they will share, Lord, um, what it means to be a real Christian with others, even on the campground, and be a, a shining light to others. I pray, Lord, that you will use them for your glory, that they'll bring a great testimony of the grace that has been in their lives. I'm asking, Lord, that you give them traveling mercies as they would go, and that you would lighten their burdens, Lord, and and give them, Lord, a greater experience with you that they would know you in a great, greater and more living way. We commit them in your hands, asking for traveling mercy and grace now and for your protection hand. And But then also, Lord, for you to be with them in the meeting. May this be the greatest camp meeting ever until that they, we are gathered on that camp meeting in the, in the heavens above, we pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. God bless you as you go and get your things and get it on the bus. And we are just be praying with you all the time. How many out there is going to be praying for all our young people? Amen. We're looking for the Lord to do miraculous things. As I was on my way to church tonight, I, I was just saying, Lord, will you just, will you just pour out your spirit and do the miraculous and perform the miracles and deal with hearts and lives and change lives. Amen. So God bless you and may you be impacted by the Holy Ghost as you're dismissed in the name of Jesus.